Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorse. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. All right, we're going to begin today a very familiar passage in Hebrews chapter 11. And while you're going there, I want to just kind of lay the groundwork a little bit for what we're going to be talking about here. When I talk about the mechanics of a miracle, we're going to talk about what is necessary in order for a miracle to take place in our life. Some of the things that we need to know that can attract miracles in our life. The first thing that I think that we need that we need to mention before we get into Hebrews chapter 11 is this. In order for miracles to happen, we have to believe that they still happen. You have to believe that they still happen. There's a lot of scriptures for that. Jesus said the works that he that he did that we would do in greater because he went to the Father to send the comforter. And then in Mark chapter 16, the Bible said that they went about doing signs and wonders, the Lord working with them. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And, and the Holy Ghost came upon them, Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 4. And then after that, miracles began to take place as God began to manifest himself all throughout the book of Acts. And the, the book of Acts is the only book in the New Testament that doesn't have an ending, and the reason is because we still live in those days. The book of the Acts of the Apostles. So miracles still happen. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and He doesn't change. Now, I also want us to understand that there is a difference between a miracle and a healing. A healing is the rapid acceleration of divine health. That's what a healing is. The rapid acceleration of divine health. Everybody say that with me. Rapid acceleration of divine health. That's a healing. So basically what will happen is maybe, maybe for instance, you were in the hospital and you had some type of a surgery and the Lord touches you and you recover much quicker than they thought that you would. Well, the reason is because God touched your body to do what it was created to do and that was heal itself. And so that's the rapid acceleration of divine health, and that is healing. And the Bible calls it, calls the Bible actually, I can't get into this a whole lot this morning or I just won't get started, but the Bible talks about the different gifts of healing, plural. Not the gift of healing, but the different gifts of healing in what some people call the nine gifts of the Spirit. Actually, the Bible calls them gifts, operations, manifestations, and administrations of the Spirit. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And so the Bible calls them gifts of healing. But a miracle is totally different than a healing. A miracle is something that happens right now, just like that. Gift of faith, which is different than ordinary faith. The gift of faith is that natural infusion of supernatural faith at a divine moment that, that produces the manifestation of what we're believing God for in that moment. That's called the gift of faith, the gift of faith is like supercharged faith. God just going like that and hitting you with it and then the miracle takes place and that's a miracle. So a miracle happens instantaneously in the here and now and a healing is the rapid acceleration of divine health. So when we talk about the mechanics of a miracle, we're not necessarily talking about healing, although healing can be classified as a form of a Miracle, but when we talk about the mechanics of a miracle, we're talking about God doing things right here and right now. Now, I want to say something about this particular 
series that I'm embarking upon, that we are embarking upon. And it's this. If I were you, I'd be taking notes. Because you don't know 10 years down the road, you might run across those notes when you need a miracle. 15 years down the road, you might run across those notes when your grandchild needs a miracle or your child needs a miracle. And maybe you could read those notes and they could refresh you and get your faith up. So what we're going to do is we're going to state the obvious. We're going to begin with the obvious here today when we talk about the mechanics of a miracle and I'm going to begin talking to you about faith. Faith is one of the mechanics of a miracle. And I want to just kind of talk to you a little bit about what faith is and how faith operates and how it works. And then we'll see if we can move on a little bit farther uh, this morning and, and beyond faith and see. We'll just see how, how we go here, okay? Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 says this. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Now that could have just as easily been translated, faith is now. When we talk about now faith, we're talking about faith in the present. Let me say it like this. Faith does not operate in the past. Faith does not operate in the future. Faith always operates in the present and the reason is because God and His power and His authority is not bound by the restraints of time. So faith always operates in the presence. And so when the Bible says now faith or faith is now, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance. It's the tangible things. It's the stuff that miracles are made from. And then the Bible said it's the substance of things hoped for and hope is the blueprint of what you're believing God for. Let me give you an example, okay? We, in, in, our, in our church files, this church is about 43, 44 years old. We've been here about six and a half years. Seven, uh, we'll be going, well, six and a half years. In May, it'll be seven years. And so we've been here about six and a half years, and we're going through church files, and, you know, we're, uh, we're taking them, we're scanning them, and we're trying to update and all of these things. And we run across all these boxes, and we pulled out these boxes one day, and we were going through these boxes, and we found the blueprints to this building. We also found the blueprints to the educational wing, what it was built up on there. And we found the blueprints to the parsonage. We found the layout of the land here when they presented it out before they built the building. And so, so here's what I want you to understand. There was a time in the not too distant past, some 40 years ago, when somebody pulled up on this property, probably in a pickup truck, got out of that pickup truck with a bunch of papers in their hands and spread them out on the hood of that truck and looked at a blank piece of property and then looked at the blueprints and said, we're going to put that building right there. Today, we are in what they saw. We're experiencing what they saw. And then later on, as vision began to go along, they decided they needed an educational wing. And so they built an educational wing. But before they built the educational wing, they had to draw out the blueprints. And they had to see it on paper. Then they had to see it in their mind's eye. And then they had to believe that it would be produced. And when they took that 
blueprint and they put it down there and they took that shovel or, or backhoe or whatever it was and they broke ground for the very first time. They wasn't breaking ground for entertainment. They was breaking ground because they realized I'm embarking on something that one day I will tangibly see. And voila, there's the educational way. We just bought that property next door in May. The same process that it took to get this will be the process that it takes to put the new sanctuary up there. This past week, Don and I went to Lake Wales and we looked at a sprung structure building. We were looking at a building there thinking maybe this is what we could be able to do. And we went inside of the building and we looked at the building and we ha I've seen blueprints, I've seen, I've seen pictures, I've seen, I mean it's a company that's been around since 1887. They have them up in the Antarctic, they have them all the way down in the Florida Keys, they have them all over the world. They're sprung structures and so we thought well we'll go look at them. So I was looking at all these blueprints and I thought you know it would be nice if we could just walk into one of those things. So we went there and we walked in it and we looked around and we thought, well, we probably wouldn't do it like this, but we'd do it like that and that'd be pretty cool. It looked nice. What were, what were we doing? What we were doing was we was allowing our faith to grow. We were looking at things so we could get the blueprint. Faith is, now listen to me very closely, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the blueprint of what you're believing God for. And then the Bible said that it's the evidence of things not seen. So faith is both substance and faith is evidence. And evidence is proof, proof positive that unseen things can be manifest in the seen realm. Come on, we're getting this, we're getting this laid out here. This is going to get fun here in a minute. Evidence is proof positive that unseen things can manifest in the seen realm. So when we talk about faith, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about things that we may not be able to see with our physical eye right now, but because we know that God holds the blueprint to our miracle, we see ourselves whole instead of sick. We see ourselves prosperous instead of in lack and in poverty. We see our relationships healed and put back together instead of fragmented and torn apart. Why? Because we have the blueprint. We have the blueprint. The blueprint is the Word of God. God's Word said in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 24, by His stripes you were healed. That's the blueprint. That's finished work. Now all we have to do is figure out how to get the finished work from where it is to manifest into our life and we do that through a mechanic called faith. So let's talk a little bit about faith. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verse number 17, for those of you that's been around here, this is simple teaching. I've taught it a lot. I've taught it a, a lot of years. Romans chapter 10 and verse number 17, the Bible says, Now faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The first thing that I want you to understand is the Bible said faith cometh. Touch your neighbor and say faith cometh. Okay, so if faith comes then it has to come from somewhere. Are you with me? If faith comes, it has to come from somewhere. Faith doesn't just develop inside of you. Faith is already developed. You just receive the download of it. Faith cometh and faith comes from somewhere and I submit to you that faith cometh 
by the constant hearing of the Word of God. Because the Bible says this, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now when you study that passage of Scripture out, you find out that it means that faith cometh by the constant, never-ending hearing of the Word of God. If you want miracles to happen in your life, if you want miracles to happen and the manifestation of God to take place in your life, then what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to develop an atmosphere that is conducive and receptive to the Word of God in your life. That means I protect my atmosphere. That means I keep the Word of God going in my atmosphere. That means I keep worship going in my atmosphere. That means that I keep my spirit right. I keep my attitude right. I keep my mind right. I keep the right things coming into my eyes. I keep the right things coming into my ears. I hang out with the right kind of people. I say the right things. I confess the Word of God over my life. I let other people speak word to me. I let them speak it into me because faith cometh and that is in the imperfect tense which means that it constantly Constantly comes. Now, why would that be necessary? Because faith is now. Now, faith is, or faith is now. So faith always operates in the present, and the Word of God is what is what activates and brings up that faith to the, to the level of manifestation where we can receive manifestation of what we're believing God for, be it our miracle, whatever kind of miracle we're believing God for. So we have to. We have to keep our atmosphere set in order for us to receive what we're believing God for. It amazes me. There's people that come to church, you know, and the only time they ever get any, get any word in their life is on Sunday morning or Wednesday night if they come Wednesday night. I mean, we'll have two or 300 people in both services when you combine them. I think last Sunday they said when you combine both services, we had 215 people. On Wednesday night, we had 107. Half as much. Literally, half as much. And it makes me wonder sometimes, and I realize work schedules and stuff, that's one thing, but it makes me wonder sometimes just how hungry people are for God. How serious are people to receive the move of God in their heart and in their life? And some people think that, well, I'll go to church on Sunday, I'll go to church on Wednesday, and if I need anything from God, I'll just ask Him. And, and then, listen, you got to keep the Word going. you got to keep your faith going in order because, you know what? God doesn't respond to need. God responds to faith. I said, God doesn't respond to need. God responds to faith. He knows that you have a need. He's aware of your need. But if you want God to respond to your need, then you're going to have to approach Him in faith. Now, let's continue here, okay? Because I don't want to get ahead of myself. Faith cometh by hearing. So we need to understand that faith comes from somewhere. We know that it comes from the Word of God. So faith can accumulate and pile up in the in the now. And then we go to Mark chapter 11. And this is a passage of Scripture that Dad Hagen made very, very famous. I mean, he preached it all his life almost. Mark chapter 11, beginning in verse number 22. Now, here's, here's what I'm going to teach you. Not only does faith come by hearing, but the Bible says that faith, the Bible teaches us that faith is activated by confession, and I've added this to it, and ratified by forgiveness. So faith is activated by confession and it's ratified by forgiveness. Now let's look in the scripture here, okay? In Mark chapter 11 and verse number 22, Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. Can you say that with me? Have 
faith in God. Now, another way that we could have said that is have the God kind of faith. To have the God kind of faith. Now, what is the God kind of faith? The God kind of faith is a kind of faith that is speaking. It's always speaking. Go over to Genesis chapter 1, verse number 3, and God said. Verse number 6, and God said. And we go all the way down through that chapter, and there are different places where it says, and God said... And God said, and God said, and God said. And then verse number 31, here's what the Bible says. And God saw. I mean, go through it. Go through it later. Put it in your notes. Use it as a Bible study this week. And God saw. So what did God see? Everything he said. He saw everything he said. So when the Bible says, and I'm getting ready to show you here in, in Mark chapter 11, verses 22, 23, 24, I'm getting ready to show you. I'm going to back this up with Scripture. But when the Bible says, have faith in God or have the God kind of faith, then we go to verse number 23 and we see how it operates. It says, for verily I say, underline that word say, unto you that whosoever shall Say, underline that word say, unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe, circle the word believe, that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Underline those two times where it says saith. So here the Bible says here, for verily I say unto you, and then he goes on, whosoever, that's speaking of you, that's speaking of your neighbor, that's speaking of whoever, piggybacked on have the God kind of faith. So this is how it operates. Three times in verse number 23, he says, say or saith, and one time he says, believe. What are you teaching me, Pastor? Here, here's what the Word of God is teaching you. The God kind of faith is the kind of faith that is speaking. You speak the Word of God over your situation. You don't speak your circumstances over your situation. I'll, I'll, I'll touch that later on, and I'll show you the difference in a confession of faith and a lie here in just a little while. But I want you to understand that we've got to speak the Word of God over our situation. If we want God to continuously move in our life, in the here and now, then we need to speak the Word of God over our situation. And the Bible says here in three different places that we are to say or saith, and then it says believe. And then in verse number 24, the Bible says, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, somebody say the next three words with me, when ye pray. When you pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. Now pay attention to the wording here, okay? Because the Bible says that when I pray is when I'm supposed to believe. Why do I have to believe when I pray? Because that's when faith is activating. Because that's when faith is activating. And so, you know what? If I'm going to have the God kind of faith or I'm going to have the, the faith of God, if I'm going to have that and I'm going to operate that and God allows me to do that, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to believe that I receive my miracle the moment that I 
pray, or the Bible said whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and then look at this, and ye shall have them. Now, the word shall there is, is a futuristic term. So over here in the here and now when I'm praying and believing God, and I believe that I received it when I prayed, and then the Bible said I shall have, that's over here, this area in between, the prayer of faith and the manifestation of what I'm believing God for is called the walk of faith. And there's a whole lot of people who never get manifestation because they lose their confession in the midst of their walk. Okay. Now, there is a difference between lying and confessing the word over your situation. Faith is calling things that be not as though they were, not calling things that are as though they aren't. I said faith is calling things that be not as though they were, not calling things that are as though they aren't. We don't deny the fact that our body has been attacked by a sickness. We just deny its right to remain. Why is that? Because I'm calling things that be not as though they were. So I'm not saying when the sickness is trying to manifest in me, I'm not saying I don't have a snotty nose. Everybody can see the snot. Come on. I had to get your attention somehow. Everybody can see it. They can hear you cough. They can hear you. Oh, they can hear that. They can hear all of that, okay? All right. Now, here's what I want to let you know. We're not denying the fact that you have been attacked, but what we're doing is we're accessing Calvary and we're accessing the stripes that Jesus paid 2,000 years ago and said, you can't remain sickness because I have prayed the prayer of faith and I believe that I have received my healing in the name of Jesus. Now... Scripture for that, I quoted it to you a few minutes ago. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 24, the Bible says, By his stripes you were healed. In Isaiah, the Bible says, He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our feet was upon him, and by his stripes I am healed. There's one difference between that passage of Scripture and 1 Peter 2 and 24. In Isaiah, looking toward the cross, it says, by his stripes I am healed. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, looking back at the cross, it says, by his stripes you were healed, speaking of the finished work of Calvary. Now, there's a lot of people today, they'll say, well, I just don't understand. I just, I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't, I, yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I just don't understand why people can say that. Listen, every time you get sick and you pray the prayer of faith, it is not necessary for Jesus to come back down to this earth, be born in a manger, live 33 and a half years, go to the whipping post, take 39 stripes so you can get the heal, healed from your flu and then get ascended back up into heaven. You, no, 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 no. He didn't have to redo that. In fact, the Bible said he entered in one time into the holy place to obtain eternal redemption for you and I. 
So it's not possible for anything. He doesn't have to do that. What are you saying, Pastor? Well, here's what I'm saying. The price for your miracle has already been bought and paid for by the suffering of Jesus. He overcame death. He overcame sickness. He overcame hell. He overcame the grave. And he ascended. And now he's seated at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and I overseeing the work that he did on Calvary to make sure that we have access to him. Now, now here's the thing I want us to understand. Faith helps us access the finished work. That's a mouthful. Think about it. Selah. Faith helps us access the finished work. So when I give my life to Jesus, and He forgives me of my sin, that's why He said, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There is no other way to God. You don't get to God through Buddha. You don't get to God through Hare Krishna. You don't get to God through Allah. You don't get to God that way. You get to God through Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. How come? Because Allah didn't die on Calvary. Because Buddha didn't die on Calvary. Because Reverend Moon didn't die on Calvary. But Jesus died on Calvary and he shed his blood. But three days later, he rose again with resurrection and with power. And because of it, we are free. Hallelujah. Saved sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, healed, prosperous, accessing everything that Calvary paid for. Woo, makes me want to kick a shoe. <laughs> you go right ahead, Esther. I wished I had about 150 of you. I don't know. You guys preach me till I dropped. You would, wouldn't you? <laughs> so let's continue on here before. <laughs> Woo. So the Bible says, Therefore I say unto you, What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. So, you know, weeping may endure for night, but joy comes in the morning. And the Bible, you know, teaches us that, that we need to, to trust God and believe God and be consistent and stand strong. Okay, but here's the part that a lot of people pass over. They, they like verse 22, they like verse 23, they like verse 24 because they like to say, okay, I'm going to have the faith of God, I'm going to trust God, I'm going to believe God, I'm going to confess the word, and I believe that I received it when I prayed and I'm in the fight of faith and I'm going to keep that going and all this kind of stuff. But they forget verses 25 and 26 because in the very same conversation, I'm not even sure Jesus took breath. Here's what he said. And when you stand praying, and that's why I'm not sure he took a breath, because he said, and. And when you stand praying, forgive. Forgive. 
If you have ought against any that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses, but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Can I submit to you this morning that forgiveness, living in forgiveness is the absence of offense. There are a whole lot of people today well, I confess the word. I don't understand. I confess the word. I confess the word. I, I do it, Pastor. I believed when I prayed and I'm in a fight of faith and I'm confessing the word and I'm doing what the word of God says. But they're harboring bitterness inside. Anger and, and resentment. Come on, I'm not an evangelist. I'm a pastor. and We're going to dig out where we live. Anger and offense and and, and they... And they talk and, and backbite and ridicule and criticize and find fault and, and they come to church. I'm believing God. I'm believing God. I'm believing God. <laughs> church is over. They go to Sioux City. Can you believe how she looked at me? I can't believe how she looked. God just jacked somebody up and you're talking about how somebody looked at you. And you wonder why God won't move for you. I'll tell you why. It's because you're a mean, nasty, professing Christian. Bitter, angry, offense. Oh, that hurt. I'm going to quit the church. I'm going to go down the street. You're not going to be able to make it because I'm not here. Oh, there's probably people that aren't here because you are. Leave. You see this coat? There ain't a button on it for sale. I'm going to teach you the Word of God. I'm going to teach you till those things break off of you, till those things fall off of you. I don't want you going to hell on my account. I want you to live in victory. I want you to live in freedom. I want you to be able to access the power of God. I want you to experience the Spirit-led life. And you can't do it as long as unforgiveness is in your heart. You can confess the Word of God until you can't talk anymore. But if you won't forgive, then you stop the manifestation. You don't understand what they did to me. That ex-wife, that ex-husband, they're your ex. X them out. <laughs> See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. You had the opportunity for this. You passed it on by. I'm going on to my place of freedom. You try to grab my coattail, I'll cut them off. Don't want you there. Quit allowing your past to dictate your present and rob you of your future. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Somebody's getting free this morning. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. All right, we're going to move on here. What things soever you, when you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any, say that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive you your trespasses. Now, somebody say, well, God can do anything. No, 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 look, look. If you don't forgive, then, then your Father can't. Because see, what happens is God is a covenant God and you have to participate with His program in order to get what His program says you can have. Leaving that alone. Now, the Bible says that faith is substance and evidence. The Bible says faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. The Bible says that faith is activated by confession and it's ratified by forgiveness. Now listen very closely in Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 16. The Bible says that faith works by love. Faith works by love. So, how can I have love if I have unforgiveness? How can I have love if I carry offense? How can I? So faith works by love. Pastor, I just can't do it. Oh, yes, you can. Oh, yes, you can. With men, things may seem impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And when that offense tries to rise up and, and you can't handle it yourself, then you say, Lord, <laughs> I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you just love through the love of the Lord. You allow God to help you. You allow God to strengthen and, and, and encourage you. Now, now, so faith works by love. So we could say it like this. Love is the fuel in the engine of faith that produces the manifestation of what I'm believing God for. Love is the fuel. Now, Hebrews chapter 11 verse number 6 says this. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Let me take a little poll here. How... How many of us want to please God? We do, don't we? I would have been surprised if some of you would not have raised your hands. I know you want to please God. You wouldn't even be here this morning if you didn't want to please God. Well, did you know that the Bible said without faith, it's impossible to do that? You know why? Because nothing pleases God more than giving us stuff. Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. When the Bible said seek first the kingdom of God, that's God's system and God's ways of doing things. So seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. He's made us righteous. And then the Bible said all these things shall be added unto you. And so nothing pleases God more than to be able to give us stuff. You know, stuff like anointing, stuff like healing, stuff like, stuff like prosperity, stuff like great relationships, stuff like a good life. God wants to give that to us. Now, if we're not living it, it doesn't mean we're not a Christian. It just means we haven't been taught to access it. But nothing pleases Him more than that. And the only way He can do that is if we live by faith. Because that's how God gets stuff to us, is by faith. And so without faith it's impossible to please God or please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe first of all that He is. So you have to believe that He's alive. You have to believe that He is who He says He is. And then, I like this part, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 6, the Bible tells us that God is and it tells us that He's a rewarder. So God wants to reward us. I'll take every reward He wants to give me. I will. 
I give my children something. They're all grown up. Now get ready to have a grandbaby in about a month. But anyways, I'll, I, you know, I, I, sometimes I give them rewards for things they shouldn't get rewards for. I just want to give them stuff. I love them. Everybody that's a parent, that's a good parent, is the same way. Well, God's the same way. You know, he's, he, he's like Santa Claus. He's up there and just got this big old bag of stuff. He's just waiting for you to, to, to open up that faith channel so he can say, watch this, pour it out on you. Woo. And you're down there, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. Meanwhile... You got the religious folk over there. Well, I don't see why. My goodness, look at the car they drive. Look at the house they live in. Look at the rah, 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 rah. As long as you got that attitude, you'll never be able to go, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> so get your stinking thinking corrected and get with the program and get under the spout where the glory of God comes out and start enjoying this with us. Hallelujah. Now, let me say this. God will give it to you if he can get it through you. There's a whole lot of people out there that are lost and undone without God and hungry and hurting and poor, and we have a responsibility. Those of us that have the privilege of living in the blessing of the Lord, we have the responsibility to take care of the poor. Hallelujah. And I found out that it's a whole lot better to to take care of the poor than it is to be poor. Because I've been on both sides of that fence. The good news to the poor is you don't have to be poor no more. All right. This isn't working, so I don't even know what time it is. Somebody tell me what time it is. (laughs) 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 All right. I need, to, I, need to, I, need to touch, I need to touch one more thing. We, we got through it in the first service, and I want to keep us all on the same page, okay? But I, I get cranked up about this stuff. Uh, the mechanics of a miracle, we're talking about faith, okay? We were talking about faith, and I just want to talk, and it won't take near as long to talk about this, this next subject, but I want to talk to you for just a few minutes about boldness. About boldness. The mechanics of a miracle, boldness. Proverbs 28 and verse number 1. The Bible said, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. And the Webster's word boldness is courage, bravery, intrepidity, intrepidity, spirit, fearlessness. In Acts chapter 4. Now look at this. In Acts chapter 4. i got to be careful because I can get cranked up on this passage of Scripture too. Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. 10. 1 through 14. It says this. And as they spake unto the people, the priest and the captain of the, of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. So the Sadducees and the priest and the captain of the temple were grieved that Peter and John was teaching that Jesus was risen from the dead. Isn't that just like religion? Okay, I'll give you the corny joke that I gave him in the first service. It's just an old theological joke. The Sadducees didn't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. That's why they were sad, you see. (laughs) And the Bible said these folks, now listen, it wasn't the Romans. 
It was the Sadducees, the priest, and the captain of the temple, and that group. They're the ones that laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. In other words, they were in jail in church. Oh, Lord, don't let me go down that road. How many churches do we have that, you know... <laughs> how be it many of them which heard the word... Believed, And the number of the men was about 5,000. And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? In other words, who gave you the authority to heal the man at the gate beautiful? Can you imagine? Can you imagine getting called in to a religious ecclesiastical board because they're mad because God worked a miracle on a 40-year-old man? Wow. I hate religion. <laughs> then Peter. Filled with the Holy Ghost. You see, it's different now. He's filled with the Holy Ghost now. He denied Jesus when Jesus was being crucified. But there's something that happened between then and now. He got filled with the Holy Ghost. Boldness, you know. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, in this, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you and all, to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified when God raised him from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. And by the way, this is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved something tells me that they were sorry they asked the question <laughs> because what they did was they opened the door for Peter to just preach to them okay I'm standing here I'm in jail at church I'm in bonds at church now they're wanting to examine me I'll just preach Jesus and so he goes on and he preaches Jesus to them and then here's what the Bible said in verse number 13 now when they saw the boldness come on boldness somebody shout boldness now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus Jesus. Woo. You got some Jesus dust on you. We crucified him. I remember how he acted, and now you acting like him. You're saying the stuff he said. You're doing the works he did. And now you're bold like he was. And we crucified him. See, they had Jesus on them. Does the world see Jesus on you? Do they see Jesus all over you? Do we say the stuff he said? Do we act the way he acted? Do we do the stuff he did? He said the works that he did we can do and greater. And then we go on. And beholding the man which was healed, standing with them, they could say nothing against it. <laughs> Come here, Josh. Come here, Josh. 
<laughs> Ooh, just stand right here. Just stand right here. Just stand right here. And so you got this religious folk, and here they are, and they're trying every way in the world. Oh, my goodness, this is going to mess up our theology. What's going to happen to our tithers? I mean, 5,000 already of them have went off with these folks, and they used to bring their offerings to the temple, and now they're not going to... And, and they would sit there, and they'd try... And every time they... Every time, every time they would start to get all cranked up and everything, uh, this guy that used to be impotent, he'd just move a little bit, just, just move a little bit. And they'd, wait a minute, wait a minute. So they'd go on again, and then he'd move a little bit again. Listen, the world can't do anything about the power of God to combat the power of God when the evidence is standing right in front of their face. Amen. There is nothing in the world... That will attract a lost person to Jesus Christ. Listen to me very closely. Then a miracle for which there is no natural explanation. <laughs> and so here they are. They're fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting and trying every way in the world. But every time they look up, the Bible said they saw this man standing with Peter and John. Just standing there. Why was that so powerful? Because that was the miracle. He couldn't stand before for 40 years. Everybody knew that. He was a beggar at the gate beautiful. Peter and John walks by and they said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And they reached out and grabbed his, him. And the Bible said he stood up and his ankle bones received strength and he went leaping and dancing and praising the Lord. And everybody said, Whoa! Yeah! Yeah! it been since the world in our community has looked at the church and said whoa are you getting this are you getting this hallelujah you can sit back down I gotta shut up the mechanics of a miracle boldness boldness the bold defense of the works of Jesus Christ will silence even the worst of critics Proverbs 14 26 this is my last scripture Robin if you'd come in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. And in his children, and his children shall have a place of refuge. If we're going to believe God for the miraculous in our life, then we're going to have to have strong confidence in the Word of God. We're going to have to believe that what God's Word said is true. And we're going to have to believe that it wasn't just true for way back then. It's true for right now. Right here. Today. Today. Let's all stand. Come on, let's all stand. I'm just going to pray that God wows you this morning. Come on, turn and high five a couple of folks and just say, wow. Wow. Woo. All right, y'all are having too much fun now. Come on. I'm trying to bring this thing in for a landing. Hallelujah. <laughs>
Come on. <laughs> Grab the hand of the person beside you, would you please? Come on. We're just going to believe God for your miracle right now. I'm pretty sure that there are several people here today that need God to touch them in a tremendous way. And I know we had the time of personal prayer earlier in the service, but I'm just believing that this message has got your faith up to the level where you can receive God at a different level than you could receive Him before. So right now, in the name of Jesus, we come against sickness. We come against disease. We come against oppression. I come against suicide. I come against a spirit of suicide in the name of Jesus. I take authority over it. I come against insecurity, a spirit of insecurity. I take authority over that in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that whoever that person is, Father, I pray that you would reveal their identity to them in you. I come against poverty, disease. I come against lack. I take authority over it in the name of Jesus. I speak healing. I speak health. I speak wholeness. I speak abundance over this congregation of people. Calling them, Heavenly Father, what your word calls them, the head and not the tail. Above only and not beneath. Above only and not beneath. The lenders and not the borrowers. Thank you for your favor. Thank you for your favor. Now I want you to begin to pray for that person beside you right now. Come on, you've got their hand. Just pray the prayer of agreement. Come on, just begin to pray. Come on, lift each other up. Minister to one another. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise. Lord, we receive it right now in the name of Jesus. We receive it right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at and that's the number four, Jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And remember, the word will work if you work the word.